0: Welcome to Zero Brightness, a podcast about horror video games. My name's Ali. I'm joined by my friend James. How's it going, James? How's it going? <laughs> <laughs> I never know what to say
1: there. We're like 25 episodes in. Yeah. I'll come up with something different to say. I'm on the spot. How, how, how's it going with you, huh? I'm
0: pretty good, man. I'm just chilling, you know, like just living. Living is my go-to when people are like, what's up? I'm just like, living. <laughs> i'm gonna try that next week yeah people get confused but then they also are like wow try a little living living loving she's just a lady so today you're talking about clock tower dude
1: yeah and that may confuse some people like
0: what clock tower <laughs> yeah we're playing the first one yeah 1995 super famicom slash super nintendo emulator if you're nasty <laughs> yep
1: also known as clock tower the first fear in the <laughs> playstation re-release and windows 95 port japan only got to love those video game titles you yeah. just gotta uh, i hate when like when games retcon the numbering and when movies retcon the numbering
0: and there's a huge overlap there in the realm of horror oh yeah <laughs> they love it yeah. and it's like they're just trying to make it so you can never ever look it up exactly it's like when a band's name is just like a common word it's like oh (laughs) i get that this was cool and whatever like san francisco squat you came up with this but like i'm not there i'm here and i'm trying to listen to your fucking record bro (laughs) so before we get too deep into this couple reminders as always this episode is brought to you by you And you can go to patreon.com Slash zero brightness To find out how you can support the show
1: Yes, also oh. We got some new patrons Glad Ooh. you brought that up uh, Yeah, Mac, an old buddy I haven't seen In a couple of years He was in my Mega Man cover band Several years ago <laughs> uh, yeah, Thanks bud New patron um, And uh, our other new patron Is Steven Thank you. Steven wasn't in my Mega Man cover band. I don't know who the hell he is, but thank you. We
0: were just talking about Steven Dorf. Is it Steven Dorf? Were you in The Gate 1? <laughs> <laughs> were you in True Detective 3? Underrated. Uh, fucking underrated. Yeah, Patreon, that's how you can support us. And we have a bunch of plans for it that are going to be coming to fruition very soon. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it yet, but we got a bunch of cool shit, so... Sign up now, and then, you know, a bunch of good stuff comes your way. Or sign up then. I don't know. It doesn't really matter to me. But anyway, it's going to pay off. Be a patron. I just want it's money. Pay off. <laughs> now, later, it's, it's all money's money. Uh, yeah, we we need to buy more terrible games. <laughs> I guess. See the Man of Medan episode. <laughs> um, anyway, and. As always, uh, Zero Brightness is a club, and you can listen to the end of the episode when the Yoshi's Island music starts. We tell you what games we're going to play next. We're always a couple games ahead, so you can play along at home.
1: Yes, that's always fun because the conversations we have in our Discord channel and our Facebook page are always interesting.
0: Oh yeah. Good special plug also for the discord. We made a discord and we hang out in it a lot. It feels like a lot cause I didn't expect to use it at all, but it's actually very fun. Um, yeah, so it's like Slack, but you're not at work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So if you want to come bullshit about games or music gear is a big topic, uh, unsurprisingly, <laughs> uh, come to the discord. Well, so th- there's this thing, like
1: since we started the show, i've been getting a lot of like musician friends like dming me on facebook mm-hmm. but they don't like talk about video game shit publicly i've got like a f- bunch of like closet gamer musician friends yeah and we need to break the stigma yeah totally <laughs> it's a bunch of rock and roller dudes putting out vinyl and shit for their like hardcore bands like hitting me up on facebook let that flag fly you know
0: yeah absolutely i mean dude video games are art you're just appreciating <laughs> art you fucking nerd! <laughs> uh, but if you are still ashamed, come to the Discord. You can use a username and not tell us who you are. We won't ask, and uh, you can just talk to us about video games. My username is <laughs> it's underscore me underscore Ali because I've never been ashamed of anything I've done in my entire life. <laughs> there you go. Uh, that's uh, that's not true. His but, record um, is clean as a whistle. No, I do love video games and. I don't care who knows. Mm. Fuck you, dad. Um, (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So, Clock Tower. 1995. Human Entertainment. This is
1: a war crime that this game never came to America. (laughs) (laughs) But I do get it, because it was like Nintendo in 1995, and there may be like satanic rituals involved.
0: Yeah. Yeah so well and the whole vibe is very like not safe for life like (laughs) I I don't know you know you just keep expecting it to turn into something a lot like I don't know less appropriate than it actually is we'll Mm -hmm. get to it Mm -hmm. it's got a weird vibe yeah I kind of get it but it is a bummer um it's a it's a pretty big like landmark game I mean we talked about it a little bit in the hide-em-ups episode which is like episode two or three if you want to check that out um, but Clock Tower for me is a really important game because I think it's where you really get modern horror games.
1: Yeah, like, I mean, they start with Clock Tower. In terms of the timeline of survival horror games, it's like the third one. Right. First, you get a game called Project Firestart, which was like a Commodore 64 game. It's basically like an alien clone. You're trying to escape a ship with aliens on it. Then you get Alone in the Dark in 92. Then you get this. And right. then, just, just for chronology's sake, Resident Evil was released six months later in March 96.
0: Right. Even aside from that, though, Clock Tower really stands out to me in the way that it doesn't have combat. It is really focused on atmosphere and immersion. Mm-hmm. It has a ton of, like, very, very overt film influence there's all these things that it I keep coming back to and thinking like wow, Clock Tower was way way ahead of its time. Yeah. And even in the the way the game is structured and some of the stuff going on under the hood, it feels very ahead of its time.
1: Yeah, well, it's it's
0: definitely the first hide 'em up, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> well, yeah, and to me that's that's a very distinctly modern type of horror game. Like mm. we didn't really get those again until more recently. And so sure. it's really crazy that there was a series that was being made off and on between, you know, 95 and whatever, 2006, 2007, whenever Haunting Grounds came out. Like, yeah, um, it's kind of wild that way before that was a thing that they yeah. were
1: making these games. So in, in America, this game didn't come out. And the second game was called Clock Tower 1 in America for the PlayStation. <laughs> Classic. That was my introduction to the series and uh i still have my clock tower ps1 demo disc <laughs> but i still don't have the game
0: patrons <laughs> <laughs> yeah james really needs that disc copy so yeah um, help him out for some reason i'm like fainting for that game i have no reason yeah it, it is weird i wasn't gonna say anything about it but now that you've <laughs> said it i'm going to agree with you yeah anyways uh, uh- <laughs> yeah but th- this this game was kind of an emulator classic. Oh, totally. I mean, I remember emulators getting really popular, like when I was in middle school. So me and all my friends were obviously playing all these games that we wanted to play and didn't own, but also getting to play a few fan translated games and two really big ones. I remember were like Final Fantasy V and mm-hmm. uh, this game. And yeah, I played the shit out of those. Yeah,
1: this was the one of the first fan translated games I ever played.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, it's also, it's such a weird game that I remember playing it and just being like, I've never played anything like this and it felt even yeah. more like hidden like a hidden gem because it's just, it's not like, oh like Final Fantasy, it's like, well we didn't get Final Fantasy 5 but we got, you know, Final Fantasy 6 and we got you know, Chrono Trigger and like all this other shit mm-hmm. but this game, it's like, there wasn't <laughs> there wasn't anything else like this and we didn't get it it felt like a bummer.
1: Yeah, totally it's like you know, the whole point and click gameplay and it's got a bunch of choose your own adventure type things that we'll get into later. And there's like randomization
0: right. elements, uh, a ton. Yeah. A ton. Really strange. So, yeah. So the company who developed it is actually really interesting as well. Just a brief side note here, yeah. human entertainment. Uh, yeah. they sort of spun off into a bunch of other companies, but they yeah. sort of, We're a development house that had all these kind of budding auteurs within its ranks.
1: Yeah, they're probably best known for their Fire Pro Wrestling series, which is huge in Asia, which is weird. It's kind of like a wrestling management kind of game. And when you're playing it, it doesn't really feel like you're playing it. I don't know. I fucking hate it, but people love it. (laughs) Um, Other notable games that came out in the States, uh, Monster Party for the NES, which I had a lot of fun with when I was a kid. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, they did Miserna Falls and we never got it, which is essentially the third Twin Peaks game besides Twin right. Peaks and Alan Wake. Um, Android Assault for Sega CD, which I had as a kid and I fucking loved. Uh, like a horizontal shooter where you turn into a giant mecha. Awesome. Okay. Um, and uh, Vanguard Bandits for PS1. I think that's kind of like the highlights of humans releases before they went...
0: Uh, bankrupt in the 2000s. Sure, um, but yeah, they had a long tail legacy. People who worked at Human went on to start Grasshopper, manufacturer mm-hmm. um, who need no introduction. Yeah, uh, Spike, who also is kind of like a very interesting developer who has a bunch of like various IPs under their belt. Um, kind of like a classic like Japanese budget developer as you have in the notes they own the fire pro wrestling name now
1: yeah they're still putting those out
0: yeah but that that's like a pretty cool company um nude maker yeah uh, <laughs> who created steel battalion uh-huh. the legendary yeah steel battalion and uh and the company sandlot who make the EDF series
1: yes which I fucking love the EDF games uh, I don't know how you feel about them but Sometimes when you want to just turn your brain off and shoot giant insect aliens, uh, EDF is perfect.
0: Those PS2 EDF games are,
1: yeah. I mean, 5 came out recently on Steam, and it's a banger.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I want to check out the more recent ones because some of them look really fun, but yeah, (laughs) those games are so fucking ridiculous.
1: Yeah, the online multiplayer is really fun too, and I never say that, so...
0: Oh yeah. yeah. no, I have actually never heard you say that. So. <laughs> but yeah, H- human entertainment, like really very interesting company. They're always a company where if they had a hand in something, it's probably like worth at least checking out. Um, they also, you know, they had another kind of lost game that didn't come out in America. That was notorious for a long time, which was like the fire pro wrestling that uh Suda 51 wrote, which has like a really shocking twist ending. Uh, Oh, that, really? Like, yeah, that kind of became like a fan-translated classic at some huh, point. I didn't know about um, that. Yeah. They're they a weird, interesting company. Um, but, yeah, Clock Tower definitely was like a big series uh, for them.
1: Yeah, so Clock Tower 1 was directed by Hifumi Kono, who did 2 also, and then he went on to become the CEO of Nude Maker. He worked on a spiritual successor to Clock Tower in like 2014, 2015, 2016,
0: called Night Cry,
1: which I have not checked
0: out. Um, Holy shit, dude. That is like, no joke, one of the worst games I've ever played in my life. It's got pretty negative reviews on Steam. It doesn't work. Like, it's literally unplayable. Um, It's a really, really horrendous game. Um, We'll talk about how this game works, but it literally works the same way, except it has these, like, really hideous 3D graphics. And... It has like the same game speed.
1: Mm. Yeah.
0: It's fucking (laughs) brutal. And also, yeah, just everything about it is horrendous. I probably played about, I felt like I played it for like a week, but I bet it was like two hours. And like, (laughs) it was so fucking god awful. Uh, I think I paid like a dollar for it and I still tried to get my money back. Holy shit. And I didn't oh man i hated it so much it was such a bummer because i was like oh, i like clock tower and i've played like the janky clock tower so i know how these <laughs> games play and somehow that man that game just woof that's all i have to say uh, Nailed it. holy shit so th- yeah so we're not gonna cover that fucking game
1: <laughs> yes unless someone drops a hundred dollars on patreon to force ollie to do it <laughs> yeah
0: that's what we should do we should just make tiers of like where you can just like force us to play like some terrible horror game <laughs> that like you know is gonna make us like fight with each other or something. Kusoge bounties <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah see see guys t- this Patreon it's about to get really weird and <laughs> dissolute and you're gonna love it.
1: Okay so um there's one other like weird story that I did want to mention Um there's another game called Remothered which is a sort of like a huge fan of the series wanted to make a game like clock tower. So he made remothered. Um, he originally wanted to just like make an unofficial spiritual sequel. Uh, but the game evolved to like its own thing. Uh, but it's interesting because the development of it went on hiatus when, uh, night cry became public. Uh, And he actually collaborated with nude maker on night cry. Crazy. yeah and so remothered came out I think it's on switch two now but it was on steam I tried it once it was janky as fuck <laughs> um, and apparently it did well enough for a sequel so I think remothered two is in development and it's going to be sort of a almost remake of the original clock tower
0: it's so weird though because like I mean I have almost no interest in any of that because it's like of all the elements you could take from this game Into a successor or a a sequel or whatever. Why would you take the mechanics? Mm. Yeah, because like even this series is this series abandoned the mechanics in Clock Tower Three, and it was much more fun to play because of it. Remothered felt sort of like a janky
1: 3D Unity game, like a real generic, like oh, this is Unity Unity game. And um, it was it was starring like a Jodie Foster clone, and she was like being chased around by this like naked old man with his balls out with scissors oh. and he would like call her, like derogatory names and things it's really I don't know I didn't like it very much and I stopped after 20 minutes
0: who asked for that <laughs> <laughs> like who went up to the counter and ordered that it's, Jesus Christ Jodie Foster's been through enough yeah leave her alone <laughs> um fuck I mean It's so crazy because, like, I don't know. As a style of game, you can sort of see why it didn't continue on for mechanical reasons because it's very clunky. Yeah. But then you can also sort of see the problems with it continuing on, like, aesthetically because even with, like, Clock Tower 3 and Haunting Grounds, which are the only, like, the most modern iterations of these games before these sort of, like, more fan games, um they have a weird like male gaze problem where it's like what is going on here right it's like it's like watching a crappy argento movie where it's like how old is this girl like am i <laughs> can i watch this yeah like yeah is this okay and the original clock Tower doesn't really have that element to it like uh but pretty much everything that came after it has at least a little bit of that and i think if you push that super far where a. Uh, an old man with his balls out is calling me like a bunch of stuff. I can't say like that's not chill. (laughs) Like that just makes me feel like this is definitely not okay for me to watch.
1: Right. Yeah. Pretty weird. Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) Um, so speaking of style, uh, yeah, my big spin on this game is that I think it's the first and maybe only giallo game. What are the
0: other ones? Yeah.
1: Um, so for the uninitiated, Giallo is a mostly Italian horror art style. It's sort of coined by Dario Argento or at least made famous by Dario Argento. I know there were other yeah. directors in the Giallo style that came earlier, but I think most Western viewers get turned on to Jallo by Dario Argento's films. It, yeah, they're totally. they're sort of like um Italian thriller horror. Um, a lot of them have like a main slasher, but they're 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 more like a whodunit. There's like mystery and detective elements, and there's always like crime fiction, psychological horror elements, and sometimes supernatural stuff, but not always.
0: Yeah, there's a few of these that are in the Criterion Collection that aren't Argento movies, mm-hmm. and you can definitely see that. They're kind of like genre thriller movies. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. So in Italy, it's just kind of a more generic term for thrillers, like crime fiction thrillers. But in in other countries, Giallo is like, okay, Italian stuff. Like, uh, for example, like Vertigo would be considered Giallo in Italy, but not here.
0: Totally. And once you watch a couple of these movies, you can actually see that like stylistically they have a lot in common with Hitchcock. Yeah. And uh, you can some just the shot composition and things like that. You could totally see that connection being made. But yeah, uh, this game cops heavily from mm.
1: Dario Argento's art style and like cinematography. No, totally. Uh, especially like Suspiria. Well, number one, Phenomena, and we'll we'll get into that. Uh, yeah. Phenomena, Suspiria, you know, Opera, Deep Red, and Tenebrae, which are kind of like his most popular movies. So I could like totally right. see why like little bits and pieces were taken from all of them. Yeah, um, they're not all great. Um, Argento films are really mixed in terms of quality.
0: Extremely mixed.
1: There are a couple that are masterpieces, like Suspiria, mm-hmm. um, and then the other ones are just kind of like some of them are schlocky but fun. Some of them, the whodunit twist, don't make any fucking sense.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, some of them are straight up bad. Most egregiously, yeah. the two sequels to Suspiria, Inferno and um, Mother of Tears, they're both awful, <laughs> awful movies. Mother of
0: Tears is a fucking uh, joke. Uh, uh, Mother of Tears is incredible, though. Like, no. It, like, <laughs> no. See, I love that movie. It is utter garbage, and I fucking love it. Yeah. I love that movie. I mean, it's terrible. You know, on, on the so bad
1: it's good like circular diagram, it's like definitely in
0: like the bad good section. Oh yeah. I'm not arguing for it being good. It, I'm arguing for it being fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So yeah. Argento, if you're not familiar, you should just go watch Suspiria. You've probably seen Suspiria. Um, it was in the news cause they made a remake. The remake's actually very good yes. in my opinion. Yeah. Um, very, very good. So Argento is in this giallo style, but his best work, I'd say what differentiates it is it's even more like atmospheric and moody and colorful Mm -hmm. than like the normal sort of, than the genre norms, right? A lot of oversaturation of colors, crazy crazy stylization, and also crazy music. Yes. Um, He worked a lot with a band called Goblin who are fucking awesome yeah absolutely. Uh, and they made this kind of weird atmospheric almost like french kind of had like a Serge Gainsbourg meets like heavy metal sort of vibe yeah it's um, like a but proggy with,
1: kind of funk yeah. drums funk bass but with like yeah. little prog guitars and spooky horror synths Goblin's fucking yeah. awesome go
0: listen to the Suspiria and soundtrack yeah if you listen to the soundtracks to any of his popular movies that they scored you're like yes this period is the best but like you're going to be into it it's really really good yeah totally um
1: i think argento movies when he gets away from goblin is when the movies get worse uh he had this really bad trend of like dubbing in heavy metal into his movies like in the 80s yeah Uh, phenomena demons one and demons two being most egregious Yeah and yeah. they just don't fit at all in terms of like tone like the, his musical choices are so tone deaf to the scene it's just, uh, it's baffling to me like what the fuck he was thinking putting in like Iron Maiden in Phenomena oh
0: dude yeah that scene in Phenomena where Iron Maiden shows up I was joking I was like is this fucking Iron yeah. Maiden and then it like actually yeah. was flashes <laughs> a blade
1: yeah. from somewhere in yeah. time I think
0: yeah but yeah. But
1: no, they they drop that musical cue like three times in the movie. Yeah, yeah, Jesus Christ, the same riff. Yeah, anyways, it sucks.
0: Yeah, but so <laughs> the good the good Argento movies they're they're a lot more understated and subdued.
1: Yeah, uh, well, sort of because Suspiria is like a visual blast to
0: the eyes. Suspiria is like looking into like a kaleidoscope, you know. Totally, yeah. but like the atmosphere is really heavy, mm-hmm. and like the set it can be very quiet and creeping. Yeah. You know, yeah. which I think is, is one thing that his, but I mean, even his crappy movies have long sections of silence and, and it's impressive, like how long those can go on. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I think that's sort of my takeaway for, I guess, like when I think of Argento, like what strikes me as unique about what he does. Um, and it's a huge influence on this game. Yeah, for sure. totally.
1: This game, um takes visual cues mostly from the film phenomena which is from 85 starring a young Jennifer Connelly pre labyrinth which is interesting because labyrinth is really what like blew her up co-starring Dav- right. with David Bowie but um yeah uh, 1985 she plays a girl with like ESP who can communicate with bugs <laughs>
0: Yeah, and she's like the the daughter of a famous actor who gets sent away to boarding school, and this boarding school just has a killer that everybody knows about, and like kind of casually is like, oh yeah, the killer yeah. that we have.
1: Bad time to move to town. Um, uh, there's a killer killing young girls on loose.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, she yeah she has she sort of has precognition and she can like communicate with insects, which the movie definitely conflates but I think they're two very different things yeah. Uh, and yeah so she kind of gets wrapped up in this mystery of who's the killer why are people dying why is she having these visions yeah why is there a monkey who's her friend she yes a monkey friend.
1: I love the monkey friend uh, the monkey is very cute Donald Pleasance plays an entomologist and I don't care yeah. what you think Donald Pleasance is tight because of Halloween yeah. one no, for sure
0: yeah yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, it's just like a really fucking dumb movie, and like if you're in the mood for it, it's great.
1: Yeah, shit gets like really bonkers, and yeah. um, towards the end, the who done it twist turns out that there is a deformed child, and yeah. he looks just like Scissor Man. So yeah. not only is the main character's visual style cop from it, uh, so is Scissor Man.
0: Yeah. So Clock Tower lifts a lot of stuff from this movie. I mean, it definitely lifts the look. It lifts the main character, because they just put Jennifer Connelly in their game. (laughs) And it was fine, because it was 95, whatever. Uh, And then, yeah, the main antagonist is basically also the look is lifted from a character in the movie they're not like one to one like in terms of the plot or anything but like it's, it's a very clearly a huge influence yeah
1: well so like Argento has this like trope thing going on where he like puts a bunch of like young girls in a place to get murdered right so yeah <laughs> you know Suspiria is like all the girls are in a, a ballet conservatory uh, there's another right. one where they're all in an orphanage and so Clocktower plucks the or- orphanage part from another movie and pops it in here. So, like, Jennifer, which is funny, um, is your main character. Yeah. Her and her, like, four friends uh, get chosen to be adopted from an orphanage. They're adopted by Simon Barrows and his wife. And so his wife comes pick you up from the orphanage and you show up in this mansion and crazy shit starts to happen. And that's essentially
0: the setup for the game. First and foremost, the game is very impressively cinematic for a game from 1995 on the Super Famicom. Oh, totally. Like, yeah. It's like fucked up because there's like actual like really well directed like cool scenes in the game and you're just like wow, like they couldn't even do this in 2010 <laughs> with Alan Wake. Like this game is better directed than Alan Wake. Like that's, that's bonkers, you know? Yeah. Um, but there is like an opening cut scene that has like kind of like camera movement and like composition and stuff. And it's funny that it's like basically the opening scene a lot of the shots are lifted from the opening scene of phenomenon, but they're in a totally different context Yeah, where it's like, cause like the opening scene of phenomenon is like a group of tourists leaving on a bus and one of them gets left behind and she gets murdered. Mm-hmm. But in this game, it's just a bunch of kids being loaded onto a bus who are going to this mansion with Mary, who's like the the mistress of this mansion. Yeah. Very, very funny when you, when you watch them like back to back, like it's like, Oh weird. <laughs> but
1: yeah, totally. So I guess before we get into the story, we should talk more about the game mechanics because there, yeah. there's a lot to unpack here.
0: Yes. The very weird game to play. You don't really directly control Jennifer.
1: Well, you sort of do, but you sort of don't. Right. So the L and R buttons on the Super Nintendo controller will let you like run or walk left and right. But that's basically the most direct that you can control her. Uh, the D pad controls a mouse cursor and then you'd and click things or interact with things with a point and click.
0: Right. So it's like a point and click game where you click on objects to interact with them. You can also click on where you want her to walk. Um, But because you're doing it with a controller, it's very weird. And it's also because you're doing it with a controller, they set it up so that it's less precise So usually Mm -hmm. what you're doing is either using the the run buttons or clicking a direction for her to walk in, and then you also have to press a stop button Yes, to make her stop stop walking, which is different than, like, the interact button. So, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And And she walks really slow. Yes. Like, really, really, really slow. Uh, So the speed of this game is, like at a snail's pace Mm -hmm. which I kind of like it and it kind of drove me insane
1: yes yes to both
0: right because like on the one hand this game is super atmospheric it's mostly silent Mm -hmm. it has a very heavy aesthetic it's like a mix of Argento and Hitchcock and like Disappearance at Hanging Rock
1: I think it's so? like
0: <laughs> yeah Oh <laughs> well, yeah it's super lo- slow
1: burn yeah I, I can see that
0: and it's it's more like muted than I expect than like you would expect if you just heard someone say it looks like Argento mm, you know what I mean yeah. like it's it's kind of got a muted like neo Victorian like thing going on that I, it's very cool sure and so having it move so slowly is cool but then like once you get towards the end of the game it it starts to drive you crazy
1: speaking of and the end of the game this is a very short game. Yeah. Um, if you know what you're doing, you can beat it in like 30, 35 minutes. Um, so mm-hmm. it's
0: sort of like built from the ground up for uh, replayability. Right. It has multiple endings and it keeps track of which endings you get, mm-hmm. it, which is very cool. It also has a very, very forward thinking checkpoint system. That basically saves the game from being, like, insanely frustrating. Yeah, uh, so Uh that's
1: that's an important note, because you can't save this game. If you turn the console off and turn it back on, you're starting from the beginning. Right. But it's not like the end of the world, because you can beat it so fast. But yeah, you can continue if you get murdered.
0: Yeah, so if you die... Uh, it basically starts you at the last door you walked through. And it, it works really well. Because like I said, I think if this game had a less forgiving checkpoint system, it would just be too frustrating to play. Yeah. Well, it, there's so much randomization involved, you know? Well, and that's actually another thing that saves the game. Because there's so much randomization that you can't get stuck with a cursed save. Yeah. Or a dead end. So It might feel like adventure. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like adventure games at this time were pretty notorious for having a lot of dead ends and curse saves where like you could be most of the way through like broken sword or monkey island or whatever and you can't finish the game right you know yeah because you missed an item back at the start this game isn't like that and it's because a whole bunch of stuff in the game is randomized um so i actually did a bunch of research on this because i actually found it really fascinating that like there's really finely tuned little like pathways that your story will take. Mm. And so sometimes if you, for example, there's one part where like scissor man is going to jump out at you no matter what. Yeah. Um, and if you choose to hide in a certain room, it means that like a certain item won't spawn in another place and you actually have to go finish the game with a different item. Yeah. So like you either need the scepter or you need the, the demon idol. Yep to finish the game yeah and like which one you need and you need to do different things to get each item but which one you need to finish the game is dependent on like a totally random choice you make early it's
1: very choose your own adventure
0: right but it's also all happening under the hood so you don't really see it going on and it's never like do you want to go in this door or this door you know it's very very elegant
1: i think it rewards pen and paper experimentation and trial and error essentially Yeah. Uh, But pen and paper is a big one. If if you're going in blind, pen and paper is huge. Because just, you know, just like choose your own adventure, you might walk into a room and see a scripted event where someone gets murdered. So to avoid that murder, you know, you can't walk in that room at that time. So, you know, things like that.
0: Yeah. And the one big thing this game doesn't have that you're probably going to want to look up is a fucking map, dude. Yeah, Like, holy hell, there's no map in this game, which is, wild that was such an out of pocket move by the developer yeah
1: <laughs> like, they probably left it out for length you know
0: yeah Who knows totally um so one big element that we haven't that we've mentioned but we haven't actually talked about yet is the enemy in the game <laughs> so yeah early on you know you arrive at the mansion and right away you see one of your fellow orphans uh <laughs> murdered by a creepy little guy who looks like The guy from ACDC But he's got a <laughs> giant Pair of like Like hedge clippers Like hedge clipping shoes. Yeah. Murderous and, Angus uh, Young Yeah so evil tiny murderous Angus Young His name is Man, And he chases you The whole game mm-hmm. uh, And in a series tradition You can't fight him Now when he attacks you Uh, When you're in what's called panic mode, you can mash the B button uh, to escape uh, his attack, but it'll still take off some of your quote unquote health, which we'll also talk about Uh, because you don't really have health, but it'll take off some of your health, but you can uh, repel his scissor attack and facepalm him like a little asshole, (laughs) uh, which is so funny every time I did it. I had to chuckle. Because you're basically like bullying the game's big bad, which uh, <laughs> was very satisfying. Um, but yeah, so he, him as a mechanic, he's kind of like Mister X. Yeah, like, totally. He has scripted times when he, he's gonna pop out and chase you, and then he has unscripted yes. times when he pops out, and those are actually pretty cool because like they are random and they'll actually get you. I th- I think
1: you probably could get a dead game. If you run through a door while being chased by him and you don't have enough stamina to fight him off.
0: I could be wrong though. Yeah. But like I never got one and that stuff, very similar events happened to me. I had one where I think that would have happened, mm. but then he just never came after me.
1: Oh, like he despawned.
0: Yeah. And like the music was playing. And so I just sat in the corridor and waited for my health to regain. And then I went back in the room where he was and he was gone.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well,
0: let's talk about the
1: health-slash-stamina thing, I guess, okay, since we're talking yeah. about... So your stamina yeah. and your health are intertwined. So if you run everywhere... So, okay, the, there's, a like, a portrait of your character in the bottom left corner, and it starts with a blue background, and then it goes to, you know, like, green, yellow, red, or whatever, um, as you mm. lose stamina. But you can lose stamina just by running around. So yeah. you end up just walking everywhere. Um, there is... Some places you can sit down on the floor and gain your stamina back, but it seems really janky. And some places it just doesn't even work when it feels like it should. So,
0: you need, yeah, I think what it is is that you need to have a certain amount of like space around your character. Hmm. So, if you're in a tight corridor, she won't do it. But if you're in like a room or a wide corridor, Interesting. Or, or like, if you're in a wide corridor or a big room, she'll do it. If you're in a tight corridor or a small room, she won't do it. Mm, is that the trick? I that's <laughs> that was working for me, but I I don't know. And like, I googled it, and it seems like some people also think what I just said, yeah. but I don't. Who knows? Well, None of us made the game.
1: Yeah. Well, the point is, if if you're running everywhere, and you run out of stamina, and you meet Scissor Man, you're basically fucked. Cause you can't fight them yeah. off and get away
0: Right cause like even if you Pass the like Button mashing mini game to survive Like you have to It still knocks off like one of your Colors on your portrait Yeah. So you might go from like blue to yellow Or yellow to orange or orange to red But if you're at red it doesn't really matter Like you're just gonna die
1: Yeah. And in a uh, typical slasher horror movie Fashion If you're out of stamina and you're running You'll slip and fall constantly which is hilarious. Yeah,
0: yeah, totally. <laughs> and it's she'll go, "Oops!" <laughs> like your character portrait—that's uh, the bottom half of your screen—also displays like dialogue and notes on what's around you and stuff. And it'll just say, "Oops." <laughs> there's like this like tense music, and it's like really fucked up. Yeah, I don't know. So there, there's nine endings. They're all pretty
1: brief, even the good ones. Uh, and mm-hmm. and you can actually beat the game and get one of the bad innings within like five minutes. You could just yeah. You could just run to the garage or jump on a car and get the fuck out of there. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Even though Scissor Man's in the uh, back seat and will chop your head off.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's definitely fun. Uh, it's kind of got like a Yoko Taro vibe to it. Like mm. there's a there's yeah a bunch of joke endings. I mean you know sort of joke endings, and then there's like three main endings. Yeah, um, that are pretty similar. Uh, they mostly revolve around like if you completed all the main tasks in the game which are pretty well uh telegraphed by the game um sort of i guess this game doesn't tell you shit but you know as much as it does like it'll tell you what to do uh and then it's like if you completed those tasks and how many of your friends survived yeah um yeah so i got like the version i got the ending that you get if you do all the tasks in the game but nobody but jennifer oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah i accidentally killed everybody but there's a lot of weird stuff too like to get the best the secret like amazing ending Mm -hmm. uh which is the S ending I got the B ending mm. I think the A ending is like some more people survive And there's like an S ending Where you, there's weird stuff like in the beginning You have to talk to everybody twice And like do all this shit It's like <laughs> everyone has to survive It's it's pretty
1: wild I did the know? S run through uh, I don't remember having to talk to everybody twice But yeah you, you oh, like okay. totally have to use a guide for that
0: yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it, it's it's funny too because like this game is so obtuse and it doesn't tell you anything that like I think some of the stuff might just be like fucking conjecture, you know? Yeah, like people are like, "Whoa, well you got to spit on the ground and like walk around three times and like it's, all, it's like <laughs> Jesus." The back you know? of
1: the instruction manual, there's a bunch of scrawled notes from 1996.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the bummer about this game being like a fan translated you know emulation type game is that like it, you. You need a manual, and you just don't get one. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Zero Brightness. If you'd like to support us directly, you can go to patreon.com slash zero brightness. You can also find and interact with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Discord. All the relevant links are at zerobrightness.com. We'll see you out there.
1: I did want to talk about the music a little bit, because in in a very Argento fashion, there's only a couple music cues, but damn, they are good. Yeah, uh, totally. Very Goblin, very Suspiria, sort of like creepy arpeggios repeating. Uh, it's great stuff.
0: Yeah, well, and it's very well arranged. Mm-hmm. Like hearing the sounds that this game makes come out of like a Super Nintendo, you know chip sound chip is like pretty wild yeah but there's like oh there's like bass synth and then there's synth strings and then there's like percussion on top of drums and it's like wow this is crazy you know yeah super
1: good bunch of cool samples totally
0: no yeah you're right there's only a couple songs but they're great the Scissor Man music is just like so baller it's it's such like a classic goblin tune, it's really good. you know yeah it's it's impressive that like Fumikono is like the, the director and I, I find it impressive that he got like a whole team of people to just like jump on board with this like let's make the Dario Argento game idea. Yeah. And like everybody was just like yeah dude. Like that's pretty cool. It should pay pays know? off.
1: It, it's it's like it is it is a definite like heavy aesthetic game. You know? Absolutely. Um, Some of the hallways are like multicolored, like Suspiria. Textures are being used over and over. Like things pop.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's cool because the game... So the mansion is kind of split into different wings. And there's also like other areas. Like there's an area under the mansion. There's a like a little outside courtyard kind of area. Mm-hmm. Um, every area has its own distinct look. So... Where you start, which I think is in the East Wing, has this more sort of like muted, normal feel, kind of like earth tone. Yeah, more normal. Um, but then we go to the West Wing. Everything is like these super saturated reds and blues. Yeah. Um. And there's a bunch of crazy rooms. Like there's a room full of mannequins, and like you know, there's like a all sorts of just creepy, weird stuff over there. There's there's um, these
1: like a library room with all these like weird ritualistic murals and then yeah. there's like the fucking satanic altar room uh yeah yeah she gets it it's man it's so suspiria i know i'm like harping on the argento thing but goddamn you're like a teenage girl like sneaking around a creepy satanic witch coven thing go watch suspiria gamers
0: that's what's cool about it is that like they modeled it so lovingly after like that look and that feel. And so it's down to like the individual objects like are really cool pieces of pixel art that are meant to evoke this other feel. And yeah, like the whole game is built around exploring these different rooms. You can do it, you know, out of order. You're trying to find keys to get in other rooms and so a lot of times like you're just wandering around very slowly yeah. and you're lost. And then you get a key and you get to go into a room and like just seeing this new room is awesome. And it's like really eye popping because it's like, oh, shit, like I didn't expect to see this, yeah. you know, or I didn't expect to see this. It's a very cool effect.
1: Speaking of randomization, too, a lot of the rooms are randomized between playthroughs. So, you know, one time you might walk into a room and it's the music room, uh, but then next time it's the altar room. And so it kind of mm. keeps you on your toes through different playthroughs.
0: Yeah, totally, and I think that's why there's no map. Maybe because um, I tried to look up a map like online, and I was like, I don't think this is right. <laughs> like, maybe it was. The other thing is that I don't know if you ever played uh, Lone Survivor. Um, it's like a I think it came out in like 2011 or 2012. Really, really good game. It's a side-scrolling uh, survival horror game, and basically, the dude made like a 2D side-scrolling Silent Hill game and it's very 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 good but it has normal maps but then it's a side scrolling game so when you look at the maps it's like mega confusing Mm. because it's just like what is going on because you're trying to like look at a 3d map and then transpose it onto like a 2d plane so it would have been difficult but at the same time there's a lot of wandering around in this game which can be a bit of a bummer because of how slow you move Right, yeah. Towards the end, I was I was using my emulator's fast forward button for sure.
1: <laughs> uh, I was playing this one on the analog Super NT, so I didn't have any of that uh fancy stuff.
0: Ah, I see. But I see. I had
1: a very authentic experience, though.
0: Oh, oh, <laughs> well, I like you know, I like that for
1: you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get I get the fast forward thing though. Do that. Yeah. And autosave. Yeah. I mean, like, there's a lot of experimentation in this game. Like, why hurt yourself? Yeah. Like, a rewind function <laughs> would probably be awesome in this game.
0: Yeah, I would actually like to see, like, a real remake that kind of played with stuff like that or just up the game speed. Um, it would be fun. Because I think this game, some of the mechanics kind of get in the way of it being fun. Oh, yeah,
1: this game totally honks. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's cool, but it's flawed i mean it's a survival horror game from 95
0: yeah it's just weird like it it sucks you in and repels you in equal measure yeah like it's so slow and it's so janky that you just keep being like i'm gonna put this down but then you just keep playing yeah (laughs) i mean that was at least my experience with it totally um but, it, I mean, that's kind of what's amazing about it. And I, and I do think that this is the best clock tower game in this style. Mm. I think that the 3D ones that still use the point and click... And I'm including Nightcry in that because fucking woof. Uh, <laughs> the 3D ones that still use the sort of controller-based like point and click interface, it just felt weird. Like, the game speed being that slow and clunky in 3D just didn't work. But yeah. with the sprite art, it... And, you know, the whole just 16-bit vibe, I thought that it worked a lot better. Sure, yeah. I mean, and the art in this game is great. I love it. Like, the character portraits and the, and the characters themselves and the environments. Mm-hmm. I just love how this game looks, you know?
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's a mix of, like, sometimes it wants to be photorealistic with, like, the cutscene portraits. But the little portraits in the corner have an almost realistic but anime-inspired look. So you get a little yeah. bit of an anime, Jennifer Connelly.
0: <laughs> yeah, just a little bit though, because it's like ninety percent just Jennifer Connelly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: I guess so. Um, let, let's talk about like how the story unfolds a little bit, um, and this is going to vary, you know, like between playthroughs. But I, I think it is really interesting.
0: Yeah, because you even already said a couple things that. I it did not happen to me, and I was like, "Oh, yeah, okay. I know what you're talking about." But it didn't happen <laughs> in my playthrough.
1: So I, I wrote some notes on like what happened during my playthrough of the story. So, um, you know, the set the setup happens the same every time. You, you show up in this mansion, and then um, you go check out a noise or something, and all your friends disappear, and you're left alone. Uh, mm-hmm. At this point, you can walk into the bathroom and find one of your friends slaughtered. <laughs> or you can ignore the bathroom and go in a different direction which leads you to like breaking a wall and going out into the courtyard and you may or may not find your friend getting drowned in the courtyard like a different friend so right and then there's a third path that where you can go where like no one dies at the beginning uh if you go upstairs you could find if, if your friend didn't die in the pool you could find her dead in a suit of armor which is Hilarious and creepy. There's, like, certain hallways that you just can't walk through or your friend will die. Like, your friend will get pushed through a window, like, in a very, like, Argento fashion. Like, Argento has this, like, fetish with, like, pushing, like, women's faces through glass. Have you ever noticed that? Yeah,
0: okay. Yeah, and especially when we watch Phenomena, like in the first scene, there's like a random window that doesn't make any sense or it's like set into like a waterfall or something. (laughs) And he pushes this girl's head through this window and we were both like, why is that window there? Like, where did that window come from? And then her head falls off. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and it's like, and they only showed the person having like a a pretty small pair of scissors. And I was like, wait, did he just cut her head off with a pair of, like, like manicuring scissors? Like, what the fuck?
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so and weird. There's another one where um, in Clock Tower, one of your friends can die by being pushed through a stained glass window in the ceiling. And that's straight yeah. out of Suspiria.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, yeah. And the whole mechanic of, like, the deaths in Clock Tower is it's really cool because it's so random and it's so based on all these different factors that it really does make each playthrough unique and i mean unless you just try to do everything exactly the same
1: yeah yeah which you might do if you're trying to get the s ending if you're trying to like figure out how to get the s ending
0: right because there's like triggers and you're trying to either trip or not trip yeah yeah those triggers yeah um but it, it is really cool. Cause yeah, like I'm looking at your notes and it's like, I didn't really have the same thing at all. Yeah. Cause like, yeah, I, I like, I was in the opening room with everyone. I went into the next room. I saw the girl fall through the stained glass. Mm-hmm. Um, then yeah, I got drugged by Mary really early on. Oh, okay. then I met Simon and I gave him food and then Lottie let me out. She, she got killed. killed. Yeah. <laughs> By Mary, but then I whacked Mary in the head with a two by four. Yeah. Yeah. And so I didn't die. And then I think I found one of my friends dead in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Um And I think that was maybe all my friends. But yeah, then I had to go get the idol, because I when I went to go find the scepter, Scissor Man was under the like scissor man popped out of me (laughs) i also i had a weird playthrough too because like i mean i played this game back in the day and i remember having a lot of different encounters with scissor man but on this playthrough i didn't it was quiet until the end interesting like i suddenly my whole end game was just packed with scissor man encounters but like most of the mid early mid game i didn't see him a lot and then suddenly he was everywhere and he like fucked up a bunch of routes for me and so i had to go get like the devil idol Mm -hmm. um which is kind of hard to find yeah. and led to me wandering wandering around a lot cuz I didn't know what to do <laughs> and then like I found I randomly found the slip of paper that tells you what to do but then I couldn't I was like pixel hunting and I couldn't get her to take it and it was crazy like it was I feel like I had just had the weirdest playthrough mm. and I got the weirdest ending of Jennifer just like standing there on the clock tower and I was like <laughs> alone just like thinking about her life in the rain and I was like man this is like fucked up all
1: right so, so you said a lot of stuff right there so let's unpack some of the stuff okay so sam <laughs> simon is like the man of the house but right. he is like locked up in a cage in a in the shed in the courtyard uh, supposedly by mary and just like kept there like starving to death and if you yeah, if you do he's like a monkey man if you do wrong things you can get locked up in there with him right but if you don't have ham from the fridge in the kitchen he'll eat you <laughs> and so yeah okay so Mary is the woman that brought you to the the mansion Uh, clearly she's in on it because you see her doing fucked up shit and if you meet her she'll drug you and throw you into the cage with Simon there's also a point in the game later on where if you meet her in the hallway she'll just fucking stab you to death Um, okay but you don't know that she's evil at the beginning until she either drugs or stabs you (laughs) <laughs> uh, there's Scissorman, which is Mary's son. And then Simon tells you about a cradle under the stars, which ends up being uh, Man's twin brother in the basement. Yeah. We'll get to that later.
0: We'll get to that. <laughs>
1: Anyways, yeah. And so, like, another thing you, you talked about is if you get locked in the cage with Simon, feed him. And if your friend is still alive she'll come let you out. Mm -hmm. But if she lets you out, she'll immediately get murdered by by a shotgun by Mary. Yeah. So if you get locked into the cage, essentially that's like a trigger for one of your friends to die. And so you have to like, kind of like learn all these events to replay the game and get the perfect ending.
0: It's really fascinating to look at this game now in the context of, I mean, people make ROM hacks of old games to randomize them. And this game was just, Designed that way. And it's both fascinating and completely forward thinking, like so far ahead of its time to think that they were like making a game that was designed to be played in that way. I mean, I just, I found it really, really impressive.
1: Speaking of ROM hacks, there's one for this game called Clock Tower Comedy where they take all the dialogue out and just like make asinine jokes the whole time. Oh, yeah. I haven't tried it, but I've watched a few minutes of it on YouTube and it seems mildly entertaining. (laughs)
0: yeah but i don't know it's it's really crazy to to go back to this game and just experience it and just be like man this is this was not a thing at this time like i mean i guess there have always been like dungeon crawlers that had you know like randomly generated maps and stuff like this but this is like a choose your own adventure yeah totally totally and i think the thing with that is that In a lot of other games, even games that came way after this, it can feel really, really predictable um, because it's usually just like a few different trigger points or a choice you have to make or something. And even like AAA games now have this problem in a huge way Mm -hmm. where it's like, what side do you pick? And you get a different ending, you know? (laughs) But like this game has so many triggers and choke points and stuff like that, that it's, it really uh convincingly presents the illusion that it is like a randomized experience that's different every time yeah and it's just the volume of of like those choice points that change the story Totally. you know yeah
1: yeah using an emulator with rewind is like cheating in the choose your own adventure book and like looking at both (laughs) solutions you know
0: yeah exactly (laughs) it's super cool though like I it's really impressive, which kind of offsets some of the fatigue you get from the mechanics. Yeah, you know? yeah,
1: All right, so as you're exploring, Jennifer comes upon a room that's walled in from both sides. Like, all entrances are sealed shut. You can break in there, and you find the skeletal remains of your father. You learn that he was a doctor that actually delivered the twins in the house. Bobby, which is Scissor Man. And Dan, who is in the basement, you can read his notes a la Resident Evil and find out he thinks that the kids are demons. And then uh, Mary kept him captive in the walled up room until he suffocated to death. And then you find his skeletal corpse like 17 years later. Yeah. In my playthrough,
0: that room was empty. Really? Yeah. What? Isn't that weird? Wow. That's cool. Well, I guess
1: because you didn't get that story.
0: (laughs) Well, I I knew it already, and like because I played it before, and I looked it up because I was like, "Isn't there?" I knew it was like there's a big reveal in here. And I got in there and it was empty, and I was like, "Wait, this is not correct." And then I like looked up and I was like, "Oh yeah, okay." There's a big, there was a big plot reveal in that room. Yeah, Uh, and then, but yeah, in my playthrough, it was just empty for some reason. And then she just like breaks in. She's like, "Huh, weird." (laughs) (laughs) Damn it's so weird and funny i mean i love it you know you know what i kept fucking thinking about too is that like man of medan was basically trying to create this conversation between us that we're having right now and failed and yet and yet this game did it anyway continue <laughs> it was just like dude you got outdone by this come on bro <laughs> all
1: right so in bobby's nursery you find a uh, a key to like the satanic altar room <laughs> yeah which is pretty fucking dope. Yeah, I love that room. It starts a chain of events to where you know that you have to get to the basement somehow. You know? All these clues have been starting to kind of gather together. Right. You can either get into the basement with a scepter, which I did, or the way you did it was with the demon idol. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So in the satanic church room, there's like a square indentation hole on the floor where you can stick the scepter or whatever, a la Resident Evil. Right. (laughs) yeah, I don't I don't know how you do the demon
0: idol one. Um I didn't try it. Uh the demon idol is like you you just set it by or you just set it on the altar and the floor opens up. Oh, same room. Okay. This is it's the same room and it's just a different solution. Like mm. you just use it. There's like a gold bowl and you use it on the bowl. So what another side note here about the janky mechanics in this game is that the way that you use items is that you hit A to pull up your inventory. Which yeah. becomes so the bottom of your screen turns into your inventory. And then you select what item you want and then the item becomes your cursor and then you put the cursor on the thing you want to use the item on. That doesn't sound janky, except that when you're using the cursor, your cursor turns into, like, a square around the object to let you know that that's where you can use it. It's janky as fuck. But when it's the item, you don't get that, so you're just kind of hovering it over stuff, and it's, like, really hard to tell if it's not working or if you're just not, like, selecting the right thing. So, Yeah that specific, I had my little devil idle out and I was like clicking all around this gold bowl and I was like, am I dumb? What is going on?
1: There's a library room with a mural that explains what you're supposed to do. Yeah. But if I understand correctly, if you don't examine the mural, you can't do the thing that you're supposed to do. Right. (laughs) So, there's some jank for you.
0: Yeah, there's another point there too so because i didn't get the scepter i can't uncover i couldn't uncover the mural Mm. because like crazy that some of these like make sense and some of them don't make sense that's one that doesn't make sense because you just can't it was kind of annoying It's like i just want to see the mural it's like nope (laughs) (laughs) and once again it's just like because i chose a series of rooms to go into that was early in the game that was incorrect and so then when i would go look to a place looking for an item scissor man would pop out and that's why i had so many yeah. scissor man encounters because they all mm. were just backloaded so yeah. <laughs> it was it was pretty cool honestly because like i just had a lot of peaceful wanderings with jennifer connelly and at the end it was all just fucking die hard you know <laughs> interesting
1: so <laughs> yeah once you actually get into the basement it's like a creepy cave and there's a fucking guard dog guarding it so you can't go <laughs> any farther unless you've got some certain items yeah. And uh, as you walk in, you see, like, a robed figure passing the dog. So you you, you probably figure out, oh, okay, I need a robe. So you can find a robe while exploring the mansion, but you don't need just the robe because the dog will still maul you to death. You, uh-huh. you, you need uh, Mary's perfume. So you yeah. put on the robe, you put on Mary's perfume, and then the dog won't maul you to death as you pass. Yeah. Uh, in the KV basement, you find like this giant bed that looks like red sheets like Twin Peaks or something and mm-hmm. this is the supposed cradle under the stars and uh, a giant fucking demonic baby jumps out of it and tries to murder you to death <laughs> yeah
0: and you have to do a, another panic button mashing mini game uh, mm-hmm. to escape but the ending is pretty baller cause you like throw kerosene at him and he explodes yeah, so
1: that's cool.
0: Yeah, it's fantastic, and it's just yeah. it's kind of awesome because like you just like part these red curtains and a big blobby baby comes out of you.
1: It's kind of Cronenbergy a little bit. I don't know. Oh,
0: very yeah, very Cronenberg. Um, yeah, it kind of fits in the wider Argento verse too. Like when you got sure. into the more creaturey kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, and then so while you're down there, if one of your friends is still alive, lot. You find her, like, on a, like, satanic altar being sacrificed. And she she tells you to, to turn on the clock tower. And so, I guess... I don't know how she knows this. But, so you scramble to the clock tower to try to turn it on. Yeah. If you're unlucky, Scissor Man will murder the shit out of you in the elevator. Yeah. This is one I don't know how to avoid. Because there's an elevator to the clock tower, you run into it, and if you're unlucky... You'll just die, and a bunch of blood will come out of the bottom of the elevator.
0: I think it was uh, what floor you select. Oh, is it? So I think you have to. Because I had to look up. I tried not to look up stuff for most of the game, but then I had to look up. Uh, I had to look up something near to the end. And then I like saw there was something about like, it was like in all like caps. It was like, pick the third floor in the elevator <laughs> or nice. something like that. So I think that's what it is. Like mm. if you pick the wrong floor, he kills you. Um. Yeah. The other thing that's funny about the, the thing with lot or Lottie, however you say her name, uh, is that like, I didn't get that scene cause she died way earlier for me, but because she
1: got shot in the, yeah.
0: Cause she got shot. Yeah. But then when I got to the, The next scene where you turn on the clock tower, um, Jennifer just did it automatically. Oh, really? She just ran up to it and turned it on.
1: Yeah, so if people are still alive when you get up there, uh, your friend is up there and Mary attacks your friend. She can either kill your friend and push her off, or you can electrocute Mary, or Mary stabs you to fucking death. There's like several things that can happen up there. Right. But once you get rid of Mary Scissor Man, I almost call him Scissorface. Scissor Face shows up and then uh Hell yeah. Canon, his name is Scissor Face. <laughs> you turn it on, the clock tower starts ringing and apparently somehow this drives Bobby insane, so Scissor Face falls to his death. The end. Yeah. Yeah. There's like several different flavors of that version. There's yeah. another version where you're like being chased by Mary up a ladder. And you can either kick her off or she pulls you off and you die.
0: Yeah. Yeah, like, my yeah, there's a lot of subtle variants, which is, once again, it's really cool. Like, my ending was that I just went up to the top floor, and then Man showed up. I turned on the clock tower, and he went crazy. Side note, I guess he's sensitive to sound, which, like, would almost make sense because the whole game was, like, silent, kind of. <laughs> but then like your character screams every time he shows up wouldn't that just like freak him out i don't know (laughs) anyway he's whatever so and he like falls off the edge with a great animation i love that animation of him kind of shaking holding his head that that like has been that really stuck in my brain from when i played it back in the day like when i saw it again i was like yes i love that such a good animation uh but then he fell off the edge and then Mary like came out of the shadows and she was like, what the fuck, dude? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> what? That was my fucking son, bro. And then uh, I pushed her into the control panel for the clock tower and yeah. electrocuted her and she died. She gets cooked, yeah. It was just like a really funny scene and then Jennifer walked out and stood on top of the clock tower while the rain came down and she thought about her life. hmm yeah. And how all her friends are dead.
1: Uh, the more I think about it, the more Clock Tower, Super Famicom is a better interactive film than Man of Medan.
0: Oh, hundred <laughs> percent! Like the direction, despite all the jank. Yeah, the direction, the blocking. I mean, it was more fun to play than Man of Medan. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But okay, so we should talk about the actual act of playing this game is not fun.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, well. I don't know, man. I grew up in the '80s and '90s, so like I can deal with a bunch of like point-and-click jank. Um, this game is jank as fuck, like that cannot be understated. But yeah, I
0: still had fun playing it. Oh no, me too. I mean that. So a bunch of things about Clock Tower have long fascinated me. Like I said, I mean I think it's really forward-thinking. I think it's a pretty brilliant piece of game design, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But like the actual physical act of like playing this game is just so weird and off-putting like it really is it's so distant right because like it's it's a third person character game but it's side scrolling and it's point click but you're not directly controlling the character at all and you're also not really it's like the way that you click on stuff feels so weird and distant so Mm -hmm. like even like some so like sometimes you click on something and your character slowly fucking walks over to it and examines it which that sucks but then there's other times where it doesn't do that and you're almost grateful except it's just really weird because she's like looking at a tiny object from like really far away and commenting on it and it's like wait that's also really weird too (laughs) well I mean point and click can have
1: like a disconnect you know what I mean it's not as immersive because you're not directly controlling the character and then you know, good point and click is at least snappy. Yeah. So, like, as, as a UI experience, at least it's giving you, like, a sort of, like, semblance of something, like, tactile. Like, there's a good click, or, like, the icon will snap to the thing
0: you're trying to interact with. There's very little of that there, so. Yeah, totally. It's very, like, unsatisfying to pick up and play, uh, but... I, I don't know, like, I still think it's a really cool game, and it's actually a good experience. It's I mean, just...
1: I think everyone should play it. If you're interested in, like, the history of survival horror, like, just download it. I mean, even if you're just gonna use a guide, you beat it in an hour, and you can see you played Clock Tower.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Impress your friends. Yeah, totally. It's just, I think it's worth noting that I think the average player is gonna get really frustrated playing this game. Like, It's kind of hard to understate how slow and frustrating this game can be. And I I think it's it's kind of a a component of it. And it's we've talked about a few other games like this, and there's a few games that I really love that I totally would lump in with this, where like you sort of just let yourself fall into the pool, the warm pool of frustration, (laughs) and you just sort of like let it wash over you, and then it actually like becomes part of the experience and you end up really liking the game. That's totally what happened with evil within for me personally, you know? (laughs) Well, this game also like
1: it's one of those rare occasions where you ask yourself like, is my controller functioning properly?
0: (laughs) Yeah. You know? So (laughs) there's just little things too. So where it's like a dialogue will pop up and then it doesn't clear so yeah. you'll just like accidentally press Y again or like it doesn't like there's no end to it so you'll just read it again you can just be caught in a loop like reading something over and over mm-hmm. and you're just like I'm losing my fucking mind. <laughs> or like a a sort of like a a cutscene kind of thing is happening and you have to wait for the cutscene animation to end before you can take control again but there's no like you don't know when that changeover is going to happen. And like scissor man's coming for you. So you're just kind of like mashing yeah. buttons and you're just like, I don't, what am I supposed to do here? You know? Yeah. And like, you can accidentally run out of stamina kind of doing that kind of shit, you know? Oh,
1: totally. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, it's a wild ass game in certain ways. Wild
1: That's the big takeaway. It's a wild yeah. ass game. <laughs> I mean, okay. Yeah. So important historically, not super fun to play, But definitely a unique experience. The only Jalo game. (laughs) The only Jalo
0: game. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Which is crazy. Make some Jalo games, America. Come on. Yeah, totally. I think what I would say is that it's a really awesome experience. So, like, despite saying that it's not really fun to pick up and play, the whole experience of it and getting to see everything in the game, and then especially if you can play it with someone like we did and talk about it later, like, or just play it a few times through so you can see the different permutations and how things can change. I think you sort of get mm-hmm. a real feel for how well made it is and how cool its ideas are. Yeah.
1: Like go into it blind and die a bunch of times, you know, get stabbed while hiding under the bed. Uh-huh. And then, <laughs> I mean, um, play through it with a guide and that takes 30 minutes and you'll get like 90% of the experience and it's fun. Yeah,
0: totally. Or just watch it on YouTube. I mean, you even though only losers do that. Yeah, don't do that. I'm not gonna <laughs> I don't know. Like I guess I've suggested doing that for certain games that are just like super like not fun to play or that just like don't really offer much for the player experience or things that you yeah. can't play, right? Yeah. Like I brought that up for well before before Delhi Premonition got ported to the Switch and patched, I was kinda like, you know, there's people for whom this is a really inaccessible experience and at that rate, like if you just wanted to dip your toe in, maybe. But now that you can play it on Switch, I'm like, dude, fuck that. Go play that game. You know? Yeah,
1: people are still having like game breaking bugs with it though. Anyways, that's for another Anyways. conversation.
0: <laughs> that's for another conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah,
1: so Clock Tower. Oh uh, oh, I I did want to mention the ports. There's a PlayStation okay. port called Clock Tower the First Fear. It's got a couple extra cutscenes, a couple extra rooms, which is cool. Okay. And a couple extra like fear effects, like things that can happen, like look in a broken mirror, spooky. Um, there's a Wonder Swan port from 1999. That's wild. Play that shit on the fucking Wonder Swan. And then yeah. there's a, uh, it seems really rare, but there's a Windows 95 port. Uh, it was Japan only, but that one's got nice cutscenes and everything too. So nice. If you want to be a real hardcore OG
0: motherfucker. Try to get that Windows ninety five port running on your modern computer. Yeah, I was gonna say, give me that Windows ninety five port, dude. <laughs> if you're real OG, you have a Windows ninety five machine that you just keep around to play Tetris on. So I just want to play this game with a mouse, you know? Was it optimized for that? <laughs> I'm assuming it had to have been because Windows ninety five, like Dude, I bet it wasn't. This game is just not <laughs> this game is not about control. This game is about surrendering to like everything around you. Somebody get it, get it running and let us know. Yes. Yeah. Right in. Um, no, I, I, the thing that I like about this game is that I think it is the best and purest expression of this idea. And like, yeah. I'm going to make a hot take that maybe I will then contradict myself once we actually go back and play it for the show. But from my memory of like clock tower PS one, I thought this game was better. um, mm. I liked the look of it. I liked the the way you played the game better. It felt like a pure, better designed experience. We'll get to that one soon. Yeah. They only made a couple on the PS1. And then on the PS2, they switched it over to just kind of standard third person yeah. action controls, which was, yeah, it was a really welcome change. I like Clock Tower 3 a lot, actually. Um, I'm... I don't know how many people actually like that game. I really can't get a (laughs) read on it. But uh, I like that game a lot. And I think it benefits a lot from the change in the mechanics. You know, the direction of it is so wildly different that it's even hard to compare to this game. Um, But, that I mean, that's another thing, too. I think the other games were a lot more about them just pulling whatever movie and TV tropes they wanted to throw into a game. And Mm. (laughs) just, like acting them out. Whereas this game was so hyper focused on Argento and specifically weirdly phenomenon. Like once again, just like a moment for like, what about this movie moved you to like be so inspired by it? You know,
1: it's, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, Um, you, you clearly dislike the film more than I do. It's got a cool aesthetic. Jennifer Connelly is great in it. Yeah. Um, The kills are cool. Uh,
0: I don't know. It's just kind of a decent movie. (laughs) It's just like my take on Argento is that there's like good Argento and there's crappy Argento. And I think that Phenomena is like the best crappy Argento movie. Totally. Totally. Right. It's like, it's not like I dislike it and it's just like, yeah, for today I was just like, I I can't watch this whole movie today. (laughs) You know, like I just, just not going to happen. But like, that was my take on it. It's a cool movie. No, I agree with you, but yeah. it's, it's like our gen- And that's the thing is, like I said, I like some really, like I love Phantom of the Opera, mm-hmm. um, which is like a terrible movie that I've talked about way too much. So I'm not going to talk about it. And I also really love mother of tears, which is just a garbage fire. <laughs> like, Wait, are you talking opera or phantom of the opera? Phantom of the opera. Okay. Not, not opera, opera is dope. Yeah, no, these are two different movies. <laughs> yeah. Phantom of the Opera, very crappy, um, and Mother <laughs> of Tears, which is extreme crappy. Like, I love those movies because they're crappy.
1: Oh, it's like MST3K bad.
0: Yeah, I love it. Here's yeah. a question for you. I was talking about this today. Did, did Argento have, like, a, um, a George Lucas thing going on where, like, Early on, he had a lower stature and more collaborative, so his movies were like classier. And then as time went on, no one could tell him what to do, so he started making this weird, cartoony, like garbage.
1: I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Like, who gets the credit for
0: Suspiria? The cinematographer?
1: I don't don't fucking (laughs) know, man.
0: That's what I mean. The set designer. Yeah. Was there like a, it was a grant film and there was a board that was like, you can't do that. (laughs) And so they had to cut out a bunch of like weird heavy metal and like crap that would have like made it. less. I don't like, I don't know. I just had this moment of reflection where it's like, you know, now that I think about it, most of Argento's movies are more on the like. (laughs)
1: Dude. Yeah. Most suck. Um, He's like (laughs) kind of like Ridley Scott where like he
0: made like two amazing movies and everything else is garbage. Dude. So we've said that before on this show. And I still kind of hold that opinion. But, dude, we totally forgot about fucking Gladiator. Whatever, dude. It's all right. Whatever. Gladi- all right. Gladiator is one of the best movies of all time, dude.
1: Okay. No, it was tight for, like, Thanksgiving weekend, 1998. <laughs> but it's not, like, something I'm going to fucking. It's I, I don't find it, like, noteworthy in the history of film, like Alien and Blade Runner.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, sure, but, like, it's fucking (laughs) awesome, and I think it's one one of the better movies ever. I haven't seen it since Thanksgiving 1998, so. I've seen that movie a lot. I used to watch that movie a lot. I like that movie a lot. I think that's, like, you know, it's not S-tier, like, fucking Alien and Blade Runner, but it's, like, A-tier. I think it's an A-tier. S-plus. But he also made all those garbage movies, so. Yeah, forget it.
1: Argento's like that. Like you have to see Suspiria. Like you have to. And then opera is really good. I think opera might be a second best movie. Deep
0: red and Tenebrae are really good.
1: Those are good. Those are less horror, more whodunits, but they're great.
0: They're, they have that, they have that direction thing going on. Yeah. Like the direction is, is really good. And that's what I'll say to relate it to clock tower is that the direction in clock tower is striking like a good Argento movie, you know? Yeah. Like, there's a lot of space there's slow pacing there's a lot of silence there's very good use of visuals and sound mm-hmm. um the way everything comes together is just really incredible and so yeah like when i think about when i thought about this game before even before i replayed it what stood out to me were some of like the Scissor Man animations and the way he pops out and like some of your character animations which were also like based on like recording real people doing these animations like yeah there's a lot of really cool direction in this game that reminds me more of like a good Argento movie. And when you compare that to what what else was going on around that time in horror, it was more like a bad Argento movie <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with like the weird dubbing and like just like crappy schlock horror stuff, you know? So it's an interesting game. It's almost like they picked as a direct inspiration, a sort of like, lower tier Argento movie but the style and the vibe and the direction feels a lot more like a higher tier Argento movie yeah yeah so
1: you heard it here gamers solid 6 out of 10 <laughs> oh my god I'm gonna start doing rundowns like Joe Bob Briggs like at the end of these <laughs> oh episodes alright we've got 5 teenage girls in one <laughs> spooky mansion we got one crazy mom one annoying little brother one forgotten baby brother in the car seat. We got one forgotten dad in the wall. We've got scissor foo. We've got running away foo. We've got electricity death foo. We've got face palming. Yeah, we definitely have face palm foo. Solid six out of ten.
0: Oh my god! Watch the
1: movie.
0: I hate rankings and ratings too. <laughs> oh, it makes my skin crawl. No, I, I, yeah, I think it's just, it's a cool game everyone should play it just be ready for the frustration and be ready for the slow walk also watch Suspiria oh yeah if you haven't watched both Suspiria's back-to-back oh totally yeah yeah highly recommended that would be really fun I just watched the remake recently I put it off for a long time because I thought it was gonna suck and it was great it was tight
1: besides Tom York singing
0: um it it, it was a little out of place but I didn't mind it because he just had to like
1: yeah. <laughs> And it was in the intro credits too, right? Like, you motherfucker, yeah. you just had to do it, man.
0: <laughs> had to do it to him, yeah. I mean, he's Tom York, he can do what he wants. Um, <laughs> I guess. He's no Johnny Greenwood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's who they should have got for
1: the score. Well, Fuck. You don't hear Johnny Greenwood singing on his scores. Yeah,
0: um, There Will Be Blood definitely did not Dude, have Dude, that vocal soundtrack, pieces. bro. Yeah,
1: right? I never even saw
0: the movie, but I heard the soundtrack like three times. You haven't seen that movie? Mm-mm. Is it tight? Hold Oh, my God. Never tell Monica that. Uh, and yes, it is tight. <laughs> Will she get, keep me out of the cool kids club? She'll she'll fly down there and kick your ass. Dude.
1: <laughs> All right. It's on the list. It's officially on the list.
0: Yeah, you should watch it, though. It's fantastic. And the score is amazing. It's even better in the context of the movie. That's yeah. like, see, we talked about this a little bit. I think it was a couple episodes ago or something. But we We're talking about how a score can be good, like really good on its own, but it's even better when it meshes with the images and sometimes Mm -hmm. a great score doesn't work on its own it only works with the images you know Right? yeah that that's a great score that is really elevated by the way that it actually works with the imagery and the images that it's paired against
1: you know what score really worked was uh when jennifer Connolly was like hiding in the bushes and iron maiden's flash of the blade (laughs) was like blaring in the background
0: yeah, there's actually a what more the fuck, than one Dario. Scene. There's more than one scene in that movie where she's just like very slowly moving through like foliage and some crazy <laughs> tense music is blasting, <laughs> and it was like, w- what was this choice? Like, who the fuck put Motorhead here? I think Monica actually said she was like, "What is this choice?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I think about I think about that a lot with video games though, because like. We, and we've we talked about it before I mean I think video game soundtracks are kind of like generally overrated by gamers but there's also <laughs> they don't have any context <laughs> <laughs> yeah but I think there are some video game soundtracks that are like really underrated because they just like work in that game and it's <clears> just <throat> like yeah. yeah like I'm never gonna go listen to this on its own but in this game this is like the only music that I would want to be in here right now yeah. I mean, I said that about eternal darkness. I know you don't agree with me on that, but that's how I feel about that soundtrack. And I think there's a bunch <laughs> more like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
1: this theme is a little banger. If I was in oh, a yeah. synth rock band, I'd cover it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Why aren't you in a synth rock band?
1: I'm just not good enough at synth.
0: Ah, uh, I Fake it till you make it, baby.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to turn one of my bands into like a synth rock band and succeeding. So we'll see how that goes. Nice. I've been practicing. <laughs> I've also uh, I also taught myself life is beautiful. So oh, perfect. Yeah. So I've been really trying to get my chops up. Is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Sick. Speaking <laughs> of game club. Yeah, we're yeah. I think we're done. <laughs> we're talking about too weird of shit. So yeah, game club. What are we doing? <laughs> so game club it's october that's fucking dope dude it's halloween season um spooky games game. what oh what a S- big change for the show yeah <laughs> uh we're gonna do some special for halloween but mm. for the weeks leading up to it we're just on our normal spooky ass bullshit um it, it, it's always halloween on zero brightness Exactly, <laughs> give us give us money on Patreon so we can keep making it always Halloween for all you goth kids out there,
1: <laughs> for all you goth girls out there,
0: <laughs> for all you goth gamer girls. We're here. Um, we're all goth gamer girls here. I am proudly a goth gamer girl. Totally. Yeah. Uh, buy my bathwater, please. Next week we're staying on the 16-bit horror tip, <laughs> and we're doing the new release blasphemous that kind of snuck up on us
1: it's so good it's like shakan the forever man on crack
0: yeah (laughs) blasphemous
1: symphony of the night
0: yeah which i think is to say i haven't played it yet but i'm trying to interpret what you mean by that and the way i'm interpreting that reference is that It has the art style of all these games that look cool but play like shit, but it doesn't (laughs) play like shit. Exactly. Cause yeah, Chakan the Forever Man plays like shit, <laughs> but looks so cool. Or like the Gargoyles game on on Genesis. Yeah, that like looked cool as hell and played like shit. Or like the Batman, a bunch of Batman games on Genesis that looked cool as hell and played like shit. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's like a whole genre of game that had cool sixteen bit gothic art style but played like shit. And now we got one that don't play like shit. So ladies and gentlemen, we got him. We're gonna play that shit.
1: Yes blasphemous Uh, ritual of the night
0: yeah and then (laughs) after that we're taking a journey uh of personal discovery for me (laughs) we're going to we're going to replay one of the rarest and most expensive ps2 games of all time that i owned and played back in the day and fucking hated and now we're gonna see if i still fucking hate it it's kuon by from software
1: from software yeah who knows Who knows what the future entails. We're gonna see. Cause like,
0: maybe I'll like it now? Cause I'm like different and stuff?
1: People seem to really like it online. But also, it's one of those like $250 games. And so they might just be like trying to make themselves feel better for spending that much money on a shitty game.
0: That's what I'm saying, dude. Like if I bought a game for $250, you're... (laughs) Be damn sure I'm gonna like that shit. I bought that shit for twelve <laughs> fifty dollars back in the day, and I fucking hated it. So I had the freedom to feel however I wanted about it. So I, I, I kind of yeah. trust, I trust that opinion, maybe. But we'll see. I'm, I'm actually really excited to replay it because I do. I would like to be surprised and and enjoy it. Um, yeah. We'll see. Oh, I watched the opening cutscene. It was pretty cool. Oh yeah, yeah. It looks really cool.
1: I mean, Trump's cool off. opening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sweet flex. Yeah, so besides yeah. that, we don't have anything planned. Let us know what we should play on our Patreon after you donate a dollar or five dollars or fifteen dollars. Yes.
0: Yeah, just give us money. Leave us some five star reviews. We need those. Um, help us get that fucking cloud up, and then yeah, tell us what do you want us to play. What do you want to see? I don't care if it's a troll. We'll play it. I don't give a shit. I'm a weird fucking guy.
1: Hit us up on Discord. Just don't fucking post corn music
0: videos in our Discord. No, that was awesome. Thank you to the person. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait, no, was there really that- a corn song? someone said that there was a corn song in a silent hill game and then i went and found the video and posted it so you're talking about me i posted the corn music video dude you ruined our slack channel no that was the best post of that day i don't remember who that (laughs) was but shout out to you that fucking that was cool and i really enjoyed that it's in the one silent hill game that i haven't played which was downpour uh, there's but it's like a corn song in it
1: what if the next Silent Hill game was like a uh, online battle royale shooter which had live concerts in it oh yeah for sure so like Silent went. Hill live corn concert tune in Friday 7pm
0: yeah dude I love it hit, hit that emote for 45 minutes while a studio recording of corn plays Fuck I you. love it dude. that's all my mm. favorite stuff
1: offspring in world of tanks coming up <laughs> <laughs> yeah dude uh, alright wow. well I think that's the end <laughs> we, we made a 90 minute episode about clock tower